Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, listeners. Before we begin the episode today, Ray and I just wanted to... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Touch base given everything that's going on in the world. We were both devastated and enraged when we heard the news about the murder of George Floyd. He joins Breonna Taylor, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, and countless other black Americans who have been murdered by police officers in the States. The protests happening in the United States right now have ignited communities and countries from all across the world to say no more. Rhea and I would like to join our voices to that. Yesterday, on the 6th of June, all across Australia, tens of thousands of people protested mourning George Floyd, showing their support for the Black Lives Matter movement, and standing up against Indigenous incarceration rates and Aboriginal deaths in custody. In Australia, our First Nations people are massively overrepresented in our imprisoned population. For the total population of the country, Aboriginal people make up about 3%. However, more than 29% of Australians' prisons' population are Indigenous, and since 1991, 431 Indigenous people have died in custody. Australia does not possess some kind of immunity to the racial injustice that is happening in the United States. Our police brutality just happens to occur more behind barred doors. As white Australians, we can all do more to promote Indigenous rights and stand side by side with our First Nations people. What Rhea and I have decided is that each month we will share an important cause or charity that we are donating to. The information about this charity will be posted on our podcast Instagram page so that if anyone has the means to donate, they can, or if they don't have the funds, they can stay informed and share the news to others. Rhea and I will always continue to educate ourselves, to listen and to fight against racism wherever it lives. Before I wrap up here and start the episode today, we would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. Sovereignty was never ceded. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you, but first we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is page to screen, Ginny. Hi listeners, I'm Rhea. And I'm Jem. And this week we're trying something a bit new. We're starting a little mini-series, I suppose, called Page to Screen. So our idea for this is that we were going to talk about elements of the series that were changed for the movies. Um, and basically why they were changed, do a bit of like investigation, um, what the effect was, what we think of them, and just basically talking about these adaptations because they're so integral to our understanding of the Harry Potter franchise, the canon, and the characters. So I thought it'd be a cool idea to sort of do a bit of investigative research and (laughs) speculation, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think it's a cool idea. The Harry Potter movies are, like, such a big part of the fandom. Um, Mm. Like, so many fans of Harry Potter just, like, never even read the books. Their only Mm. knowledge of the story is through the movies. Um, Yeah. That's wild to me. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine. Like, I know that we we came into this actually through the first movie first. Mm -hmm. That was, like, but I don't remember actually seeing the first movie before hearing the first book. I was too young. (laughs) Like, I know I I did, but I don't remember at all. Yeah. Um, 
I remember, um, like, everyone was talking about Harry Potter, and I didn't want to read it. Because <laughs> you're stubborn. Because <laughs> I'm stubborn, and everybody else liked it, so I thought it must be bad. And then <laughs> mum and dad decided we were going to go see the movie, and I remember walking out of the cinema and like my mind was blown I'm like that was amazing that was incredible and it was all I wanted to talk about all the way home yeah <laughs> started reading Maybe, the books the second yeah. we got there mum and dad had already read the books <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then once you'd finished the books in like a week there was like probably four books out by then I think yeah three. four I books out know. and then you started reading them to me and I was like stoked about it yeah um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and a new era was born a new era. This is how we got here, folks. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to start with Ginny. Like, we have a lot of different topics that we thought we might touch on in this little mini-series page to screen. But I wanted to start with Ginny because the number one complaint that I hear from, like, so many Harry Potter fans, whether they started with the movies or started with the books, is Ginny, when it comes to movie Ginny. Like, people even differentiate yeah. them between movie and book Ginny. And so I thought it would be a good hot place to start. Um, <laughs> before before we get into it, I just I guess I just want to ask you, Ria, personally, mm-hmm. how do you feel about Movie Ginny? How do you feel about it? Um, I basically have no feelings about Movie Ginny because she does nothing and is nothing. So same, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, because I really love Bonnie, like um, Bonnie Wright, who portrays her. Yeah, I reckon she's real cute. I think she's got like. A lovely sort of aesthetic. I love her values, all this sort of stuff. She's a great person. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but when I, when I think about Ginny in the movies, I'm just like, <sighs> it just makes me feel sad because I know what could have been, and like I just I it's, it's she has such a neutral reaction from me because I know that she wasn't really given much to do. Yeah, I <laughs> she don't was sidelined. Like, yeah, she definitely was. I don't like outright hate her or dislike her because mm. like what is there to dislike? There's nothing much to have a reaction to, unfortunately. Yeah. In fact, like, for research for this episode, I found on YouTube a compilation of all the Ginny scenes across eight movies, and I sent it to you because I'm like, oh, this is useful. Yeah. Rather than going through all eight movies again, I was like, oh, I'm sure there's a compilation out there somewhere. And I found one, and it was eight minutes long. Mm -hmm. One minute per movie for one of the main characters, the love interest of the story. And, and it was like, definitely wow. <laughs> it was definitely not one minute per movie because it was like almost like two minutes for the first like five movies. Mm. And then most of her screen time is in books not book, is in movie six, and then she mm. has very little to do in movies seven and eight as well. Mm-hmm. She basically has one movie where she has any scenes or lines, and in everything else she's basically a background character. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Um Hmm. I sort of started this off with bringing up a bit of a synopsis of Book Ginny so we have an understanding of her character. Yeah, definitely. So I did some dot points um, about Book Ginny. I said that she starts off quiet, shy, scared, and victimized. Mm -hmm. Um, She develops into a witty, fun-loving, assertive athlete, warrior, and young woman. She's very adept at magic, very cheeky, charming. She's very hot. Like, this is just canon. (laughs) Ginny's hot. She gets the lads. She's confident. She's confident and also very assured of her, of her rights and her body and stuff like that. Like, she's very, like, forward thinking in terms of a 90s girl. Yeah. Um, Doesn't take shit from her brothers about, like, how she should act, who she should date, anything like that. Yeah. She's very feminist (laughs) yeah she's strong-willed she's practical and she's never afraid to stand up to anybody Mm -hmm. that's that's what i think of when i think of Ginny. she's probably one of my favorite characters from the books definitely the character i vibe with the most in terms of just like the younger sibling energy yeah starting off really shy going through some rough patches and then growing into like an assertive young woman i vibe with that a lot Mm-hmm. Um, love Ginny, except she's 14. I'm not like that, but you know, yeah. girlfriend material could imagine dating Ginny. Yeah, um, <laughs> she's definitely got that jock energy. Hmm, maybe I'm into yeah. Ginny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I think of Ginny, I think of like, like fierce, spitfire, rebellious, um, mm. doesn't let any of her brothers tell her what to do, anything like that. But I also think it's really important to remember the part of her character that is the shy little girl who can't speak up in front of Harry because she's got such a massive crush on him. Because I think that's a really important part of Ginny as well. Like, we tend to focus on when she's a bit older and 
speaks up for herself a bit more, but I, I have a real soft spot for Ginny who goes completely silent or runs out of the room anytime she sees Harry. That's really cute. <laughs> I love that. It's such a... And I vibe with that really strongly too because I have, I'm have i someone that's had to learn to be confident and to learn to mm. be comfortable with speaking up in front of other people. I'm naturally shy. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you know this, but and it comes out when I'm thrown into any sort of new situation for the first like two tries. I'm very shy and very awkward, but then I sort of get the hang of it. Mm. But like... Yeah, so I, I really like soft, um, shy Ginny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, very, it's very good. Um, so then I, I did a bit of a list of movie Ginny. And you're right, there's a, like, there's, there's a bit of discrepancy. Um, so movie Ginny from movies one and two, Philosophers and Chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very obedient, awkward, shy. She stands up for other people, but only when push comes to shove. Um She's quite repressed, I thought. Like, she was very... Like, obviously, this is when she was being held by Tom Riddle under, like, yeah. games and all this stuff. She was, like, you know, victimized. She's scared. But she's also a very honest character. Like, she's very truthful and um, always says the truth, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she's, she never lies <laughs> and she's never sneaky. Um, and that's something that keeps up throughout the rest of the movies. Like, even though in the books, Ginny's known to be a flat-out liar every now and then to get her way... Yeah, um, and, and manipulate people. That doesn't f- go through to the movie. She's very honest. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, she's from movies three to eight. She gets a bit more cheekier. She has a few lines here and there, like "I'm not wearing that. It's ghastly," mm-hmm. which I enjoyed. Um, <laughs> I think you're in love, Ron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she's still quite girly. Like she just because she's got all these brothers and she likes Quidditch in movie six, at least mm-hmm. um, she, she loves going to the Yule ball and like dressing up in a cute little dress and like hanging out with the oh, girls. She, she has these dresses. Adorable. I love it. <laughs> the pastels so and the cute. lace. It's hideous, but so cute. <laughs> it's so kitsch. Yeah. Like I would never wear it, but I love it. Um, I would wear these, it, like, but like ironically. <laughs> yeah. I'm a grown she woman. These, she, yeah. She looks a little bit like a doll in that dress. Mm. Um, she has these, like, shared knowing looks with Hermione when, like, Cedric appears. And I'm like, yep, I get it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she knows what's up. She knows. She's very compassionate. And then I've got movie five Ginny, because she's kind of separate yeah. from a lot of the other Ginny that we see. Movie five Ginny is jealous. Um, when Whenever Harry does anything with Cho, she's always, she notices and she's not happy with it. You can tell she's like, hmm. Mm. Um <laughs> She's good at magic, especially Reducto. She straight out kills a man. Like, <laughs> she blows him up yeah. in the fucking <laughs> Hall of Prophecy. She blows a man up. <laughs> she does, and she's valid. The like, thing to remember should. about uh, Movie 5 Ginny is by the time Movie 5 had come out, Book 6 was out. So we yep. knew that she was Harry's endgame love interest. Mm-hmm. And you can um, see that in her characterization. It's like, oh, suddenly she needs to say things because before yeah. that she didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't do more saying things than she does in movie four, I found. She does more action stuff. She becomes more a bit more like Warrior Ginny. Yeah. We, like, we can see that she's good at magic and that she shouldn't be underestimated, that she has a powerful, like, you know, presence. But she doesn't say as much as she does in the fourth movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's movies uh, six to eight. So this is sort of Ginny in six to eight. She's quick mind-wise. Like, so in the sixth movie, when Harry appears at the burrow, she puts it together very quickly that he's there, even though no one else believes her. Yeah. She's observational, um, as you are as a background character, often observational. Um, She's loving, accepting. She's private. And I think this leaks into her honesty thing. There's a moment where Fred and George are like, oh, from what we hear, you're dating such and such. And she's like, that's none of your business. Like, (laughs) she's flat out like, you know, I keep my business to myself. And that's that's the honest and valuable thing I do. Mm -hmm. Um, She tells people off. She doesn't give a fuck about PDA. (laughs) And she's awkwardly flirtatious the awkward flirtatiousness is what kills me oh yeah. it's rough to watch it's, it's rough. cringy i really want to talk about the difference between harry and Ginny's first kiss in the books and harry and Ginny's mm. first kiss in the movies because those two scenes are wild how different yep. they are there's a lot to unpack yeah so that's what i had about movie Ginny. is that like an accurate assessment you'd say yeah she does nothing in movie seven and eight basically no, she, she gets harry to zip that. up her dress and then in eighth movie, they have a, a kiss in the middle of the battle. And then, like, and she says, I know, rather than, like, Harry having to say that he, he loves her. She's like, yeah. I don't know. 
Um, and then she screams at Voldemort when she realizes that Harry's dead. Mm-hmm. Dead, in quotation marks. And casts that's one spell it. at Bellatrix before her mom takes over. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <sighs> yeah, those uh, are the things. It's... When I was watching that compilation of Ginny moments, the thing that struck mm. me is, like, she has three lines in the second movie. Yeah. When I think of Ginny, I always think, oh, the second movie and the sixth movie, those are her big movies. Mm. She's in the second movie, but she's in the background, she says nothing. She mm. has three lines in the bookstore. She's like, oh, fuck, what's the line there? When Leave she's, him alone. Yeah, she stands up to um, Draco. Leave him alone. Yeah. And then she has one line in the Chamber of Secrets where she's like, oh, Harry, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 explaining things. And she has one other line. Fuck. Why can't Mm -hmm. I remember what they are? Should have written them down. I just wrote down three lines and assumed that I would remember. Something like, I don't know. Something in the Chamber again with Harry. No, it's one line before the Chamber, one line at the beginning of the movie. And one line in the Chamber. Hmm. I'll remember it at some point. (laughs) Sorry. Three lines. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think the movie that she has the most lines in is actually movie four. No, she has no lines in movie four. She, she has... has Think You're in Love, Ron. Um she yeah. has then it's at Hogwarts, she has I'm not wearing that it's ghastly. She mm-hmm. has um he, he kinda of screamed at her, it was very frightening. Um and then I think that's that's three. Um, I think there might be another one, but I'm not. She says something to the twins where she's like, "Don't you guys have any shame or something?" When they're taking bets on whether or not he's going to die. Don't be so mean. I actually forgot about the sixth movie because sixth movie Ginny is just a blur to me. She has the most lines in sixth movie. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. um, I I always think of fourth movie Ginny as like kind of one of my soft spots. I like fourth movie Ginny. She's fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Mm. so that's movie Ginny. So bland. So, what I got into next, rather than like sort of just picking apart movie scenes, was I talked, I looked at um, two different areas that informed, sorry, three different areas that informed um, Ginny's characterization in the films. Okay. The casting, the casting, the writing, and the directing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. As, yeah. So, I started with casting. Yeah. Okay. So, Bonnie Wright. So I don't have much points on her because there's not much points about why she was cast or how. Because mm-hmm. um, she was very young. She was cast at age nine. Uh, this is a fun little fact. When they were filming the nine and three quarters scene at uh, in the first movie, she was exactly nine and three quarters years old. Oh, that's so, so cute. cute. She got to say a little line, good luck. I thought it was very cute. Mm. Um, she never acted before this, ever. Not even on stage, nothing. She'd done nothing before this. Um otherwise besides from that um all i had really about bonnie is that she's quite a soft-spoken person i've noticed this in other roles that she's had she has quite a soft-spoken voice mm-hmm. um naturally she looks the part she looks like you know a young redhead attractive girl yeah <laughs> um but there's a lot of there's been a lot of critique about the lack of chemistry between her and daniel radcliffe in terms of their pairing and mm-hmm. i don't really know what to say because it's like they've known each other since they were like what nine and like 11 years old yeah. and like they didn't know that they were going to end up as a romantic couple mm-hmm. later on so it's like how do you really critique something like that I don't know what to say <laughs> here's uh, what I'll say when you're casting a child actor it's pretty much always a swing and a miss like yeah some kids some kids can be incredible actors and I think that the Harry Potter series in general lucked out with the number of mm-hmm. kids they got and how incredible they were and how well they did their characters. Yeah. And I think Bonnie just, like... I I don't want to slam her and say she's a bad actress because I don't think that's fair. I think she was no. a great choice for young, shy Ginny who mm-hmm. didn't really say anything and didn't have much to do. I think she was great for that. And I think when she had to grow up and be fierce, spitfire Ginny that wasn't really very well suited for her and she also just in terms of script and direction didn't like have much of a chance to grow into it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i can agree with that i think naturally she's quite a soft person Mm -hmm. so maybe like maybe it came down to the the coaching like she wasn't given enough encouragement to access those more angry and assertive parts of herself as she like got older and the films got older but I don't know because I wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I just I can't have an assessment. 
But, um, yeah, the lack of chemistry thing, I, I don't really know how to comment on it. Like, you know, I don't yeah. know what the relationship between her and Danny Radcliffe was like. I'm assuming probably positive or neutral. I don't know. The whole um, thing with lack of chemistry yeah. is like... Like, I don't know how actors do chemistry. If there's no chemistry between you as people, I don't know how you act chemistry. So, look, maybe that's a failure of acting, but I think it's more like, you know, if you're casting, like, a a rom-com or a romantic tragedy or just any sort of romantic story and you're casting two adults, you can get them in the room and see how they work together. You're Mm. casting a bunch of children who, ten years later, will have to have a romance, a romantic storyline... You can't predict it. Like, no. Yeah. I remember, I think I've seen clips from behind the scenes of people saying to Emma Watson, like, oh, like when she's like in the first movie and they're like doing all the first shootings, they're like, oh, do you think maybe one day in a future movie you might have to kiss Dan or Rupert? She's like, ew, yuck. Yeah. No. <laughs> and they're all laughing at it. Yeah. Um. There's a thing that makes me laugh so much, whereas at the uh, at the end of the second movie when Hermione gets unpetrified and she does that big run down through the mm-hmm. Great Hall to hug Harry and Ron where they had to mm. freeze the scene and like change angles during the hug because Emma wouldn't hold the hug long enough <laughs> she kept trying to pull away and get out of the hug because she didn't want to touch the boys <laughs> fair valid <laughs> and she was supposed to hug Harry and Ron but they couldn't make her <laughs> so she, she has that awkward handshake with Ron Yuck, cooties. Yeah. When you get a bunch of children in a room, you're not like, hmm, which of these want to fuck one day? (laughs) Like, you just, you can't. You can't act like, you can't cast like that. So I, I have, like, no judgments on Dan and Bonnie for not having incredible chemistry. Like, I don't know. Maybe they're really good friends. Maybe they hate each other. Who knows? Like, yeah. I don't, I really, I don't judge Bonnie and I, I judge people who judge her actually, yeah. because I think that this was her first role. She had the pressure of the entire world on her shoulders and she wasn't given much to work with. Yeah. So that's what I'm very critical of. So let's move on to the writing. She was supposed to be the romantic lead to carry an eight, an eight film movie series that everyone in the world was watching. Like, yeah. sorry if she didn't exactly hit the mark. She was a little girl. Mm. They, she also didn't know that she had to be the romantic lead until, like, movie four, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and they didn't even give her the room to practice to be that romantic lead, to build up her character more. Yeah. So, yeah, they they basically tried to do all the character building for Ginny in movie six. Mm-hmm. And I don't... It was too late. It was too then. late. That too was... little too late. Yeah. They tried to step her up a little bit more in four and five, I think. But, like... Yeah. There's just... But she still got sidelined. Yeah, she just got sidelined. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, let's talk about so, direction and screenwriting. The writing of Ginny Weasley. And I'm main, mainly pinning this on Steve Clovis, yep. who was responsible for writing the majority of the movies, except for movie five. <laughs> yeah. So. We've talked about that. <laughs> We've talked about this. Okay, so yeah, here's the lead writer. Um, so according to David Heyman, the most important people on set in order were Steve Clovis... David Heyman himself, and then the director. Steve Clovis was the god of the set. Everything that Steve Clovis wanted happened. Um, I know. Yikes. <laughs> so, Steve Clovis claims to know the characters as well as JK. He said that he always kind of knew Dumbledore was gay, which, by the way, isn't true, because behind the scenes for the sixth movie, he was writing the script where Dumbledore was talking about this young love that he had of this woman, and JK had to interrupt the script reading to send a note to Steve Clover saying Dumbledore's gay. Yeah. So, bullshit. That's how we um, found out Dumbledore was gay. Because in the sixth movie, he was going to give a monologue about young love and yeah. this woman he once fell in love with. So, Steve Clovis is lying at his teeth with that. But anyway, mm. Steve Clovis also says that he always knew Snape was going to be a big hero, which is why he wrote him as such. Now, from my understanding, J.K. Rowling <laughs> told Alan... Um, what's his name? Sorry, um, I forgot his name. Alan Rickman? Alan Rickman, yeah. yeah, sorry. Wow, that was wild. J.K. Rowling told Alan Rickman that a bit of a secret about his character. She basically informed him that Snape has always loved Lily, mm-hmm. and this should inform everything that you do, but don't tell anyone. And so I think Alan Rickman's <laughs> acting sort of tried, sort of informed the way that he was written. Yeah. Because I think he actually persuaded people to do certain things, to be like, no, Snape wouldn't do that, and stuff like that. So... I am calling bullshit on both those claims. 
from Steve Clovis. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> Just, listeners, there's not a bunch of Steve Clove fans. Steve... I keep calling a... Go- ah, I keep going to call him Steve Clover, which is not his name. <laughs> there's not a bunch of Steve fans on this podcast. We are a bit anti-Steve Clovis. <laughs> I am a Rupert Grin fan first, Steve Clovis. Hate a second, human third. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. fair. Um, so more facts about Steve Clovis. So Hermione is his favourite character. Yeah, obviously. Lots of people are aware of this. He's a huge Harmony shipper, mm-hmm. so he really was into Hermione and Harry getting together. That was his, like, big deal. And as you've said before, when it was revealed... Um, after the production of the fourth movie, when the sixth book came out and it was basically a real Ginny gets with Harry and Hermione gets with Ron, he threw a big hissy fit and refused to come back mm-hmm. <laughs> for the fifth movie. Or there was a quote I sent you that he said, um, yeah. let's see if I can find it. He was talking about how the reason why he didn't do the fifth Harry Potter movie is because they asked him on the wrong day. And if they'd asked him on a different day, he probably would have said yes, but he was just having such a bad day and that's why he didn't want to do it. Not because he had just found out that his precious queen, Hermione, was going to marry his greatest enemy, Ron. Yeah, so a lot of people try to point to how the fourth movie tape took a long time to do. It took him a long time to write, apparently, and so that like he, he must have felt a lot of pressure during the fourth movie, and that's why he didn't come back for the fifth. I'm critical of that. I think that he was a person that really liked to have creative control over this franchise that was world-changing and wide-reaching, and why give it up halfway through... Mm-hmm just because you're tired no (laughs) i don't think he's that type of person yeah especially because he came back later exactly he came back so that's basically um all i know about steve clovis did you have anything else you wanted to add about him no i've got the exact quote if you want me to read it out yeah read it out yeah this will sound glib but it's somewhat true they asked me on the wrong day they asked me for the last time on the wrong day. Had they asked me the next day, I probably would have said yes. There's always stuff that goes on around these movies, and I felt an urge, and I still feel an urge, to do other things. To go back to making movies nobody wants to see, and I'll do so. But I think I was feeling that urge particularly keenly at that time. Hmm. What a weird thing. Go back to making movies that nobody wants to see. Go back and do other things, like write his harmony fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so basically, I, I mean, not to get too tinfoil hat, but I'm putting it on. I blame <laughs> Ginny's characterization of the movie on Steve Clovis because the oh, way that. Mummy, have you seen my jumper? That's Ginny's second line from the movie. <laughs> Mummy, have you seen my jumper? Leave yes, him alone. Cat. <laughs> and then she says something in the Chamber of Secrets about how it was all her fault. And how you're hurt. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Harry, you're hurt. Oh, I didn't mean to. The diary made me, or whatever the fucking mm. line is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, that was driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. Um, How could I forget my movie seeing my jumper? What an inexplicable line. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. <laughs> and the mystery solved of it being on the cat, which is actually a, a coat rack shaped like a cat. <laughs> yes, which is hanging over their fireplace. Thank God that was sold. I was always bemused by that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I found that out, like, the morning that we were supposed to go and see the eighth movie in cinemas. <laughs> <laughs> and before then, I was always just like, I don't remember the Weasleys having a cat. Where's this cat? I want to see this cat wearing the jumper. What's yeah. going on? Why is her jumper on the cat? Is the cat sleeping and it's been piled on laundry yeah. on top of it? Or is it wearing the jumper? <laughs> I know. It was such a bemusing line. And it was so funny that they threw it in there without the context of the cat thing because like I bet there's so many people that just presume that there's a cat like a living cat with a jumper on it and Ginny never found it yeah and it's just (laughs) never mentioned or seen it's great Um... (laughs) maybe the Harry Potter movies are fantastic (laughs) oh I love the movies don't get me wrong listeners I'm not doing this miniseries to drag on the movies because I adore the movies like that's a lot of things I don't particularly love about them but Mm -hmm. I will continually go back to the movies and binge them because they make me feel happy and warm and nostalgic, and they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they did They did give us so much, but they also yeah. took away a lot of things. Like Ginny. <laughs> like Ginny. And yeah. Ron. And, yeah, and Hermione. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get Harry. to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
back to Ginny. Um, tinfoil hat time. So basically the theory is, is that because Steve Clovis was such a huge fan of Hermione and um, was sort of sh- like subtly shipping Hermione with, with Harry, yep. that when he found out that that he, no, sorry. That like throughout the movies, these sorts of messages are imbued, like between Harry and Hermione. Like we see it quite clearly in the movies. Like yep. uh, Hermione taking all of Ron's moments to make Hermione look better. She, she's flawless. She's beautiful. She's brave. Mm-hmm. She's unjudgmental, which isn't like Hermione in the books. She's popular. Everyone loves Hermione. Yep. Um, Hermione's got all of the rational book intelligence that she has in the books but also all of the emotional intelligence that she is sorely lacking mm-hmm. in the books and that Ron has in spades yeah she and she also kind of takes Harry's gut instincts sometimes in a lot of fights like Hermione is seen as very capable yeah Cap- like, Hermione's capable in a educational setting sure mm-hmm. but the way that they throw her into battle and make her seem like she's like battle hardened and like ready to fight at all times it's just it doesn't hold up scrutiny yeah um so yeah the theory is that is that because Hermione was built up in such a way it took a lot from Ginny as well Ginny became more and more sidelined because there wasn't any sort of tension building between Ginny and Mm -hmm. Harry there's also moments in the books uh probably the sixth book most strongly of little tension building moments between Ginny and Harry that I think work quite well like I like the moment in the library when Ginny brings the easter eggs to Harry Mm -hmm. And they just have a cute little conversation about Quidditch. Yeah. Is that book five or book That's six? That's book five, because Harry's talking about how he's yeah. got a lifetime ban, and Ginny's like, That's Umbridge right. isn't the god of Quidditch. You can play Quidditch again, Harry. <laughs> Umbridge is not going to be around forever. She's very wise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's actually a couple of moments between Harry and Ginny in book five that I like. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's a really important yeah, one that like, I want to talk about, but we'll get to that after the screenwriting section. Would that be at Grimmauld Place? Yes. That's a very important moment. Incredibly important. Um, yeah, so a lot of Ginny's scenes were just removed entirely, and she was very much sidelined, and yeah, that's basically what I want to say about Steve Clovis's decisions about Ginny. <sighs> She's watered down. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I find interesting about Ginny's lines in the movie is how infrequently Ginny is part of a conversation. Yes. Ginny is very much reduced to one-liners, she has a couple of good lines, but they're just one line that she says. I think the only time she has a conversation is in the sixth movie when Harry's stuff appears in the house and she has a conversation with her mum, Hermione, and Ron. Mm-hmm. And, hmm, what's another time that she has a conversation? She she has conversations in parentheses, not parentheses, in quotation marks, with Harry, but they're usually more Harry-looking like awkwardly longingly at Ginny because he's suddenly realizing that she's a hot girl and yeah. Ginny saying stuff cryptically and flirting awkwardly with him. They're yeah. not really conversations. They're not, there's no back and forth. It's more just like a very awkward tension yeah. that Ginny's saying things occasionally and it's very weird. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm not counting Harry because <laughs> that's just a nightmare that we'll get to in a minute. The conversations that she had that I can count is the one that I said with her mum and the other one when Luna encounters her on the train and they briefly yes. talk about the pygmy puff and the um, the issue of, what's it called? I was about Rack to call spurts. it the Obliviator. What's Ginny's magazine called? Yeah, Raxperts, but the Quibbler, yes, yeah, the yeah. Obliviator. Um, I think those are the only conversations she has with people where it's like back and forth, multiple lines, aside yeah. from Harry. Oh, and Everything- Fred and George in the shop. Yeah. She's Not like, really, because oh. they talk to Hermione. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Ginny doesn't actually have a line there. They talk about love potions guaranteed to work, and Hermione says something, and Ginny's in the background not talking, as per usual. No, they ask her, like, um, but for what we hear, sister, you won't need that, aren't you currently? And she's like, well, and what do you mean by that? And she's like, and they're like, aren't you currently dating Dean Thomas? And she's like, that's none of your business, and then walks away. Yes, what an incredible conversation. <laughs> Two <a> conversation. whole lines. <laughs> <laughs> She just has so little to say. Yeah. Another one mm. line that she drops is, about time, don't you think, when Ron and Hermione have their interaction in the yeah. hospital wing. Another great she's, observation. She says that <laughs> as she's walking out of the room past Harry, like her her face is not facing the camera when she says that line. <laughs> oh. <sighs> she has so little to say. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
So, um, what about direction? I don't know anything about directing. <laughs> Neither. Um, basically, all I had on direction, because I, I basically focus on movie six, where she gets a lot more to do mm-hmm. um, suddenly, <laughs> and she's yeah. not really... And even then, she's not really given much. Um, I focus on movie six, directed by David Yates, and he said that his image for this movie was it to be about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and relationships, rather than, you know, plot. Um, oh, <laughs> which yikes. came across... Because there was nothing to do with Voldemort's memories or Horcruxes. It was all just bullshit, but whatever. Yeah. Okay, I hate movie six. <laughs> yeah, but, it's all um, weird teen, inter- interpersonal teen relationships. With Rembrandt colouring. Like, I hate it. Thanks. Um, yeah. Anyway. The colours in that movie are crazy. Everything's so sickly, washed out. And it's just boring and flat. Everyone looks like they're dying. <laughs> <laughs> the only good part is Tom Felton's portrayal of Draco falling to pieces. Good. Mm-hmm. Um... Trying to think yeah. of other good parts of that movie. Um, Cave scene like, was alright. <laughs> I like the slug club because that that's where all the weird awkwardness is like on point and perfect for the scene. <laughs> yeah, meant to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. That's all I got for that movie. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, this is supposed to be the movie so far for Ginny haven't really really been giving her much but now it's like here we are movie six this is where Ginny comes to the fore and becomes Harry's love interest it's very important that Ginny is strong and ready and available in this movie mm-hmm. but she wasn't why well she was but she was just bland why why was that yeah I can like... give you a quick summary of everything that Ginny does in the sixth movie she has more yeah. lines she gets a pet pygmy puff she has a boyfriend that is not Harry she plays Quidditch and by plays Quidditch I mean she shows up in Quidditch uniform when Harry's doing tryouts and yells at everyone to shut up Mm -hmm. we don't actually see her playing Quidditch on a broom Um, at Christmas she feeds Harry a tart and says don't you trust me then she ties his shoelace on the staircase then they're about to kiss or it looks like they lean in slightly and then someone attacks the burrow she leaps through the fire doesn't fight anyone immediately gets protected by Harry who runs in in front of her and fights Bellatrix for her then there's the weird scene at the school where they're hiding the Horcrux and she's like, uh, we have to hide it where no one will find it. And does that weird whisper, you. close your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and kisses him. And then she's like, I can stay hidden up here too if you like. Real what the creepy. fuck is that? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't understand. Does he want to fuck the book? Like, is that what she's implying? I don't understand what's going on. Or like, I'll be your weird little attic girlfriend. <laughs> I'll be your... I'll keep you my dirty little secret. <laughs> Bizarre. That's oh. everything that Ginny does in <laughs> movie six. Oh no, she hugs Harry when over Dumbledore's corpse. Very romantic. Um, uh, yeah. I'm kidding, that's not her fault. <laughs> that's just the scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no uh, breakup scene, which is how yeah. book six ends with them breaking up and Hermione and Ron being like, we're with you till the end. Yeah, that's where it ends. Yeah, so we don't get that big breakup scene, which is how the book ends. Instead, we get Harry, Ron, and Hermione at the top of the tower, and Harry and Hermione stand very close together, and Ron sits behind them in the shadows. Yeah, <laughs> unmoving to assist his friend in his mourning. Mm. Like a gargoyle. <laughs> yeah. I Thanks, I hate it. Um, yeah, so... <sighs> movie 6 is just not good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the worst, honestly, in my opinion. It's the worst movie. Mm. Um, so... Which sucks, because it's probably the best book. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Let's compare the scenes where Ginny and Harry first kiss in the movie to the books. Yes. So, (sighs) the book scene is Harry has been, um, he's been in detention, so he wasn't able to play in the Quidditch Cup final. He's very nervous about how Ron's going to perform. He's nervous about how Ginny's going to perform. He's been sort of crushing on Ginny forever, by Mm -hmm. the way. She's finally single. Yeah. Um, and Ginny has promised him that he's got nothing to worry about and they're going to win the House Cup. No, the House yep. Cup. The Quidditch Cup. Yeah. Harry's just been through a fucking day. He gets out Snape real late. Snape was bullying him about Snape. his dad. <laughs> Snape was bullying about his dad. He gets out real late. Everyone's back in the dormitory, so he has no idea what's happened. He gets to the dormitory, very nervous about what's about to happen. He opens the door. It is a cacophony of sound. Everyone in Gryffindor is celebrating because they won. Ron nailed mm-hmm. it. Ginny nailed it. Everyone nailed it. 
Yeah. He locks eyes <laughs> with Ginny. And they basically just rush towards each other and kiss in front of everyone. Yes. And everyone's losing their minds. Well, then they go real quiet when they see the kiss. And then Harry breaks apart and he's so happy and Ginny's happy. Then they both awkwardly like, oh, fuck Ron. And they look towards Ron. And Ron's <laughs> like, well, I guess if you have to. Without saying it, he's just sort of got that expression on his face. And yeah, he they... just like looks at them and shrugs yeah, while and holding everyone... the Quidditch cup. Everyone continues to have a good time. It's yeah. just, it's very natural. It's very funny. It's very exciting. It's very sudden. And I love it. It's got big Gryffindor energy, big jock energy. And importantly, Harry is like, he feels like all of his happiness is riding on whether or not they win this Quidditch Cup because he's a jock and he's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then he goes to this party and he kisses Ginny and he's like, I don't give a shit about Quidditch anymore. And they leave (laughs) the party and go to just talk and have some quiet time by themselves. Yeah. I was about to say the camera doesn't follow them. The story doesn't follow them. That's their own no. private scene that takes place off the page. But I like that he's like, everything's about this Quidditch Rin. It's all riding on this Quidditch Rin. And then really, he didn't actually care about the Quidditch so much. No. As soon as he saw Ginny and was so happy and they had this kiss and it's like, oh, I can actually be with her now. He's like, he doesn't even want to be at the party anymore. He just wants to talk to her and be with her. Yeah, he just Which wants to go. Which is great walking and chatting and making out with his girlfriend in the grounds which they do a lot of for the rest of that book we don't really see it on page because i think jk wanted to keep it kind of pg but Mm -hmm. like um yeah basically it's implied that harry and Ginny are sneaking off and just hanging out and vibing in the grounds yeah (laughs) which is great and there's Um, more scenes where like ramilda vane who's been hassling harry the whole book (laughs) is like you know, oh, what's what's going on with you and Potter? And Ginny's, like, telling her to fuck off and making up weird lies about Harry's tattoos. And <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah. O- honest maybe Ginny would never do that. <laughs> She's mm. too honest. <laughs> yeah. And observational. Um, I can't even imagine her having a conversation with any girl aside from her mum, Hermione, or Luna. Yeah, Does she even know any other girls? I don't think she talks to Hermione in the movies I'm trying to remember a time when she does no they make eye contact sometimes in the fourth movie when Harry and Ron aren't talking and Hermione is their little go-to dragon not their Mm -hmm. go-to dragon their go-to owl to send messages back and forth Ginny's just there yeah Ginny's there and she and Hermione walk away arm in arm and look at each other meaningfully (laughs) yeah they have a lot of meaningful looks yeah um yeah now in the movies oh no the kiss is it's no one else is there yeah Harry is going to get rid of this book because he's nearly killed Draco Malfoy. And mm-hmm. for some reason, for this traumatic and very important, sensitive task, Ginny decides to go with him. Yeah. Weird. Because they interacted, like, one time before that. Yeah. And it's weird that Ron or Hermione or both of them wouldn't have offered to be like, let's go to the room together. Hermione, I think, would want to make sure that Harry puts the book away because, one, she hates losing in potions. And two, she's mm-hmm. probably traumatized by what just happened. Um, it's also weird that Harry doesn't do it himself. Yeah. Why does he need an escort? He doesn't. No, it's weird. It's like it's implied that if Harry knows where the book is, he won't be able to resist going back for it. Yeah, like it's the fucking and, one ring. It's very weird. Yeah, like he's addicted to it. And Ginny's the one who's like... Breaking help- the addiction. Yeah, protecting oh, she- him from himself. It's like, you have to not know where the book is. She's the and so woman. she has to hide it and he has to close his eyes and stand there awkwardly in the middle of the room. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it's they such really, a nightmare. They really give her a very essentialist, feminine, healing, honest, caring role, which I think... They really do. They really hammer it in. And, like, I think it would be fine, but we just have this book, Ginny, which isn't... Like, she's feminine and she's she's soft, but she's also just not that not that girl she's not like that so it's It's, very odd it's not about being feminine i think it's about being submissive that's what movie Ginny is weirdly submissive it's the the feeding harry the oh yeah the shoelaces and the the shoelaces the i can't zip up my dress zip up my dress for me like it's this weird helpless fragile submissive to harry thing which is just not a vibe that book Ginny has yeah, and I think it comes across as awkward too because Harry, like, I know he's the hero of the story, but Harry's not like a macho, masculine, defending no. the women and weak, sort of like heroic character. He's just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's kind of like a dumbass in the movies. Yeah. So to have him, to have his girlfriend be this very, like, submissive, very uh, quiet and subdued 
like very feminine vulnerable woman it really it heightens his own vulnerability in a way that doesn't complement it it's very odd it's a very weird yes that's such a good point yeah, yeah, it just makes him seem awkward when he's responding to her because he's not like it's not like their puzzle pieces fitting together and he's serving her need and she's serving his needs. It's like they're both awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and they're both kind of the same, <laughs> you know? Because like because Harry's this this boy wizard and this boy hero, he's very much got a lot of people looking after him. He's got a lot of mentors and oh, a yeah. lot of guidance and a lot of people who are protecting him. So it's weird that like with Ginny, it's sort of like he's supposed to step up and be this big macho man hero protector. I don't know, like a like a diehard or a Rambo sort of person. Like I'm saving yeah. the damsel in distress, but that doesn't vibe for Harry because mm. for a lot of the time he's the damsel in distress in his own story. <laughs> yeah, and he needs to be saved by people like you know Sirius Dumbledore, Dumbledore. the competent adults around yeah. him. Yeah, mm. it's it comes across as very clunky. I think that's maybe why the the chemistry didn't work with the actors. It wasn't necessarily the actors. It was more the characters that they've been portraying for so long now had to click in a way that wasn't written well for them and yeah. wasn't staged well because they they were meant to be changing their characters on a whim for mm-hmm. just scenes in between the two of them, which didn't work. So Yeah, it doesn't vibe that, with that, anything else. So maybe they tried on. to they tried to film the scenes where it was like the characters were complimenting one each other, but then it's like, hold on, this doesn't seem like Harry that we know, or this doesn't seem like the Ginny that we know. And so then they got them to do it in a way that was consistent with their characters. And it was the only way that made sense, but it didn't feel right. Maybe that's what came across. I don't know. I think it was just bad writing. That too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think of other ways of why things could have happened the way they did. Mm. Um, so yeah, the feeding the food scene always gets me because like when I first saw it, when I first saw the sixth movie and she's holding the fucking cake or whatever it is. And she's like, don't you trust me? Open up. And he's like, <laughs> what? And she's like, don't you trust me? My first thought of what she was going to do was smash the cake into his face. Of course. Smash it <laughs> right in there. That's funny as. And it's exactly what Ginny would have done in that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the shoelaces thing, I was like, oh, maybe they'll recover it here because she didn't smash the cake in his face. Maybe she'll tie yeah. her shoelaces together. <laughs> yeah, tie her shoelaces together. That's a classic Ginny thing she would do. She'd be like, oh, he's very much distra- distracted by my beauty and my bathrobe, I'm, and I'm going <laughs> to take advantage of this and be like, oh, your shoelaces untied. And while he's, like, bemused, I'm just going to tie those shoelaces together so when he tries to take a step while I'm going back to my bedroom, he's going to fucking fall yeah. down the stairs. That's funny. <laughs> and then he'll fall down the stairs and like Fred or George will be there at the bottom and they'll say something funny to mock him and Ginny will laugh and walk off to her bedroom and Harry will watch her walk away and like he's he's embarrassed because he fell over but also like he's a little bit what in love woman. with her <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> she got me she got me she got that's me the vibe <laughs> that it should have had <laughs> yeah and I feel like with a few small tweaks we could have had book Ginny seep through into movie Ginny but it just wasn't the case yeah. <sighs> yeah. I don't know what else really to say. Um, I've got more things to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead. Are you going to talk about the I've basically the just got, like, Ginny scenes. Yeah, Ginny scenes that I think really needed to be there, but weren't. Mm. And, like, not all of this is about Ginny as well, because obviously we can't have every single scene from the books in the movies, or they'd be bloated nine-hour monstrosities. Yeah. But, like, things that are important... But, I think like, like to be fair, she's an important character. She becomes a yeah. love interest. She's one of the main seven, right? Isn't it the big seven that J.K. Rowling highlighted seven. as the most important mm-hmm. characters of the younger yep. generation? She mm-hmm. needs more character moments to define who she is that we care about her and that she has an impact in the story and she wasn't given them. Yeah. Look at the rest of the big seven, it's Harry, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, Neville, Luna, and Draco. Yeah. Of all of those, Luna probably has the least screen time because she's only in the last three, mm-hmm. last four movies. But she's still given but, some strong moments. Yeah, she's still given big yeah. moments. And also, like, I don't know if she has that much less screen time than Ginny. I know. She and Ginny might be on par, which is crazy. Because Ginny's one of the only characters who's in all eight movies. Yeah, I personally, when I think about the strength of the characters and the more defining character moments they have and the more impact they have on the audience and the story, I think Luna does more. She does Definitely. more the story. Like, hands down. <laughs> Which is upsetting because she's only there from five to eight. 
Mm-hmm. And she's got more of a clear character as well. That was yeah. the other thing I was saying. Not what I was saying. Another thing that I was reading when I was researching is people were like, well, you know, it's not really fair because she has so few lines and she's basically a background character. And it's like, but you can so still have a lot of characterization in a background yeah. character. Luna, but also think about Seamus and Dean. Yeah. Seamus yeah. and Dean are also there right from the beginning, have virtually nothing to do, virtually nothing to say. But like, I know who Seamus is. <laughs> yeah. He's got a character arc throughout all of the movies. What's mm-hmm. Ginny's character arc? <sighs> yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. Anyway, so important Ginny scenes. <laughs> I think, like, possibly the most important Ginny scene in the entire series is in the fifth book, mm. not in the movie, when Harry is at Grimmauld Place and he's just had this big vision about Arthur being attacked by a snake and he's terrified that he's being possessed by Voldemort and he thinks he's a danger to his family, not his family, to his friends. And so he's hiding away from everyone and everyone's like too scared to sort of go near him, not because they think he's Voldemort, but because they're like trying to give him space. And then Ginny comes in and is like, fuck this. Stop being like this. Like, stop Stop it with this bullshit. Mm. You're not helping yourself by isolating yourself from everyone else. And also, if you think you're being possessed by Voldemort, you should come and talk to me because I'm the only person you know who's ever been possessed by Voldemort. That's so important because it's like recognizing Harry's trauma and saying that she can understand Harry's trauma because she's been through it as well. So like they have this thing that's in, in common. Yeah, and then Harry says, oh, I forgot. And yeah. she's like, good for you. Yeah, good for <laughs> and you. I'm like, you forgot Oof. because I never will. Like, yeah. that's so important because it establishes that Ginny isn't just another girl at Hogwarts mm-hmm. who's got a crush on Harry. Ginny is someone who understands what he's been through because she's yeah. been through it as well. Exactly. And that's so important. And also the calling him on his bullshit. They're not treating yes. him like he's a special, important prince who can do whatever he wants because he's mm. so special. Which even Hermione and Ron fall into sometimes because they can be kind of, like, touchy about, like, getting on Harry's nerves and not wanting Mm -hmm. to upset him. But Ginny's never like that. She's always like, no, fuck you, listen to me. Like, you're doing wrong here or you should be doing this. She's very... She's wifey material. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's fierce. She doesn't Mm. take shit. (sighs) That's that's in my opinion like the most important Harry and Ginny scene it's up there with yeah. with their kiss in terms of scenes that transition Ginny from Ron's little sister to Harry's love interest yeah absolutely if they just kept those two scenes the kiss scene changed so it was like more I don't know active and alive <laughs> mm-hmm. and the this scene where she calls Harry out in his bullshit I think there could have been a lot redeemed for Ginny's character yeah that and like Anything's possible if you've got enough nerve and really wanting to stand up to Umbridge. Yes. Yes. So good. She doesn't even need to say that line in the exact context of the books. Even if she puts it in a different place where they're maybe talking about, like, Dumbledore's army and, like, oh, we can't possibly, like, pull it off. And she just Mm -hmm. says, anything's possible if you've got enough nerve. And everyone's just like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's, like, the iconic Ginny line. Yeah. That's her line. That's her essence. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. That sucks. Yeah. There's like there's other stuff I wish she had. I wish she had a better relationship with Luna and Hermione. I wish she'd I wish they'd played up the fact that, you know, she Lu- not Luna as much, but she, Luna and Neville were like the resistance, the Hogwarts mm. resistance in the seventh yeah. book while Harry, Hermione and Ron were doing their Horcrux bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like her being on the Quidditch team and being a chaser, just these big things. <sighs> these big character moments for her. Yeah, but another naming thing, Dumbledore's army. <laughs> Dumbledore, yes, naming Dumbledore's army because she wants to fucking fight everyone. Mm-hmm. One thing that I really don't like that they changed about Ginny is one of the times when you learn that Ginny is really fierce and a really good fighter mm-hmm. is in the fifth book when she learns the bat bogey hex and she uses it on people. Yeah. And that is translated into the fifth movie as her learning that reducto spell, which is just yeah. sort of a spell that blasts things. Blows people up. Yeah. Blows people up. And like, <laughs> this is part of a larger problem where magic is so 
unique and distinctive and like really fun and interesting in the books and in the movies it's just it's just lights it's just lights and pushing people around and that's a whole other episode of this miniseries we'll get to that (laughs) we'll definitely get to that so like it's part of a larger problem but it takes this spell which has so much personality the fact that Ginny's go-to spell which she is incredibly good at is the bat bogey hex tells you so much about her yes and in the movie she's just like bang and that's her spell (laughs) and she casts it twice once when she's learning it and once when she kills a man (laughs) and also it really doesn't fit with her character in the movies at all it's a complete contrast it's so out of nowhere that's why i get caught up in the fact that she straight up blew a man into pieces because it's like there's nothing in her character that would suggest that she would do that and then the impact isn't there either afterwards she never even like blinks she's just back to Ginny again yeah back to being back to wallflower mode it is insane I feel like that's in the movie more to not like have a big character moment for Ginny but it's more to show Harry as a good teacher it's more about him being the Dumbledore's army's leader and being like I can teach even poor pathetic Ginny a big spell (laughs) oh my god I hate it that's the vibe that I always got because it wasn't a big character moment like Neville learning a spell. That was about mm. Neville and what he had to prove. You're right. You're but Ginny right. is just You're like, right. you know, like even little tiny Ginny can cast a big bang spell. And she does it in the um, Hall of Memories or whatever it's called. Hall of Prophecy. And saves mm. us. And that's because of Harry. Well done, Harry. Uh, great. <laughs> yeah, another scene that I think should have been core and kept in the movies in some manner is Ginny insisting in the seventh book that she fights yes Um, absolutely because all the adults are like no you're underage you can't do this you're a child this is ridiculous and she's like I've fought before I've been in battles before and they're like no that was different this is a war and she's like gets she's like I'm not going home with my whole family here it's it's too traumatic like there's nothing that you can do to stop me and all this Mm -hmm. sort of stuff um and then she eventually manages to get out and escape and get into the, the fray. I think that's yeah. very important. And it was none of that was even kept in there. Even though I know they didn't have much of the scenes in the room requirement for the movie, they could have thrown something in there in the uh, part one, seven part one, where it's her and Molly are at the burrow waiting for everyone. She could mm-hmm. be pacing around being like, I can't stand it. Every My whole family's out there and I can do nothing, and I just want to be out there helping them, but there's nothing I can do, because yeah. I'm underage, and mum won't let me, and everyone's, like, treating me like a child. That would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, if they, if they can't fit it into part eight, I know it's a big movie, got a lot to pack in, pack it into the seven part one. Done. Yeah. And then it pays off in the eighth movie, when Ginny is in this big fight with Bellatrix, which she can't handle, because she is underage, yeah. and Bellatrix is crazy, and Molly steps up. That's where mm-hmm. you pay it off. Yeah. With Molly being like, no, sometimes you need to just step back and let the let the adults take care of things. And then that's yeah. what happens. Is there anything else we wanted to say, basically? <sighs> basically, it just... Movie Ginny sucks, and it's it's really bad, because Ginny... Book Ginny is really good. Yeah, and I think it really shocks people who are introduced to the world through the movies when they do read the books, if they do the difference of like wow i love jenny like she's my favorite character it's just, mm-hmm. it's very shocking to them because like that she's just so bland in the movies and she's really just pushed to the side and not really paid any attention to which is very frustrating yeah so yeah i guess that's my that's all i have to say um i blame steve clovis um <laughs> we all do it's okay <laughs> follow bonnie wright's instagram she's got very cute instagram stories <laughs> She's very cool. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say. I yeah, guess. pretty much. <laughs> Watch After <laughs> the Dark or The Philosophers or whatever that movie is called. I think it has two different titles. Yeah, I call it The Philosophers. I think it came out in like 2013 yeah. or something like that. I think it's called Before the Dark in the other version. There's two titles. Whatever. But yeah, watch that. She's in that. Mm-hmm. She's great. Um, yeah. yeah. If you think that... <laughs> Bonnie Wright can only act as like a passive little wallflower girl. Watch her in that movie. In that movie, she's got a lot more of the fire of book Ginny. Mm. So, yeah, she's a lot more yeah. angry. And that um, she's still very soft spoken, though. I think that's just part of her like natural way that she speaks, yeah. which is fine. You can still work with that and make it powerful mm-hmm. and angry, which she did for the movie. But 
It wasn't in the Harry Potter movies because of Steve Clovis. Steve Clovis. <laughs> Steve Clovis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so that's all of our thoughts and opinions on Movie Genie. I'm surprised we basically got a whole episode out of that because there's just so little to work with. But if you like this, if you like this mini series, let us know. And this um, page to screen might be something a little bit like our synced sink or float episodes where we come back to it and explore this theme with some other areas of the Harry Potter adaptions. Yeah, yeah I had a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I've been Jem, and I think that anything's possible when you have enough nerve. I've been Rhea, and doing this episode reminded <laughs> me that I'm in love with book Ginny, but not movie Ginny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time.